It's time for the big show with Andy Gallo and Country Jim. Well, welcome to another episode of the big show. I tell you what, we have got a uh, special guest with us here. Uh, all the way from Brady, Texas. Although I don't think you're in Brady today, are you, Tracy? Well, no, I'm not actually. We're in we're in Kansas City, Missouri. We've been on a little tour up through Canada and Illinois and Ohio with uh, some of our artists, including uh, Dotsy and Tony Booth oh, wow. and Landon Dodd and Dallas Wayne. Wow! So man. we're winding up a, a nice little tour. Good deal. It's Tracy Pitcox, folks, from uh, got Heart of Texas uh, Records and. Gosh, you got so, as, as we were talking before we went on with Country Jim, uh, he was saying that um, there's one building that you don't own in Brady, Texas. So we were just <laughs> trying to decide what the, what that building was there. But anyway, it's, it's a pleasure to have well, you on the program. Well, thank you very much, Andy. I appreciate that. And, you know, I found out a long time ago when I was in radio that I had to have some other business interests to be able to survive. I know you don't know anything about that. But I do, and so that's why I had to kind of branch out to some other operations. <laughs> oh, I get it, man. I tell you, you gotta you gotta have your uh, your iron in a lot of fires. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Andy owns a hot dog stand, so he's he's a business owner as well. And we've got a new hey, like- and we've got a new hamburger that's out now. So it's called the Buddy Burger. All right. So- <laughs> mm, that- Sounds good to me. I've got to try a buddy burger and a hot dog from you as soon as I can. There you go. <laughs> you know, Tracy, I've uh, for a decade or so here, I've had a relationship with you and the and your uh, music business, and I've uh, been to Brady a few times. So you were uh, your folks? Did your folks own a ranch near Brady, or did they live in town? Or tell me about your early years there. Well, you know, we were just the typical, the typical family, and the typical, you know, the, my, my dad worked uh, worked hard for us, and and um, and I actually uh, ended up with the same parents I started out with, so I was kind of proud of that. But, but we were just a, you know, just a, just a normal family, and and um, hardworking, uh, God loving, and of course, uh, country music loving as well. My parents. Uh, Love George Jones and uh, Vern Gosden and people such as that growing up. So I heard a lot of that when I was a kid. And then my grandfather even took it a step further whenever he started playing me music from people like, uh, you know, Stonewall Jackson and Jimmy Rogers and the Carter family. And I just had a great love for that music at a very, very early age. Wow. You know, you've got a, you've got a nice radio voice, but did you ever try singing yourself? Uh, not at all in, in church a little bit, and uh, I was quickly uh, I quickly found out that that wasn't my forte. So <laughs> if I had to if I had to do something, it sure wasn't going to be doing any kind of singing. I promise you that. But, so uh, basically, but, you could not make a joy feel noise unto the Lord. Is is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. So <laughs> that was great. for sure. Do you great. own a guitar? I, I own a I own a lot of guitars, but I can't play any of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll get you at some point to tell about all the things that are in the museum. Oh yeah, um, you know I had a I took I took guitar lessons as a kid because of course you know that was always such a big thing for every every kid you know to to play a guitar or something and uh-huh. and I got down jingle jingle bells and amazing grace but you can't make much of a career out of those two songs especially during the summer that sounds like me cuz the first song I ever learned how to play was twinkle twinkle little star 
you know, sure. and I can actually still play a couple of bars of that now, but I, that's about as far as I get, you know, so. I understand. <laughs> so you started at the radio station um, when you were just a teenager? Yeah, I did. You know, I was, I was uh, 15 and I had a friend that worked part time at our local radio station, which is K-N-E-L Radio and Brady. It was the mighty 1490 oh, back boy. in the day. We were on AM. And so I'd go down and hang with him, and I was just intrigued by by, by radio. And and so eventually I got the 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. shift, mm-hmm. uh, Monday through Friday nights. And so my mother would bring me to the radio station because I, I couldn't drive at that time. I didn't have a driver's license. I, I was 15. And, and so she'd drop me off at 6.30, and I would do my three-hour shift and do my homework at the radio station there. And then at 10 o'clock, I would read the news and do the obituaries yeah. and then play the stars, the Star Spangled Banner. Yep. And then we went off the air until 6 o'clock the mm-hmm. following morning at, the, at that particular time. Yeah. And so I did that uh, you know, for a number of years, and, and it's still there. I'm still at the same radio station, but I, I'm not there as often as, I, as I, I was back in the day. I only do about four hours of radio a day now. Mm-hmm. And but even in college, when I was at Angelo State University in San Angelo, Texas, I would drive back every weekend and just cram as many hours as I could at mm-hmm. KNEL over the weekend. And then I worked at KGKL Radio in San Angelo during the the week. So radio has always been a very important thing to me. I I was a kid. I used to listen to those light night disc jockeys. I loved Larry Scott and oh, yeah. Bill Mack. Mm-hmm. And Billy Parker and Charlie Douglas and all yeah. those guys that were yeah. on those big fifty thousand watt clear channel radio stations. Mm-hmm. And during during high school, during high school, I had uh, been very involved with the Future Farmers of America. Uh, I was lucky enough to be the state vice president. And and when I was uh, sixteen years old, I, I went to the stock show in Fort Worth and and. I was already listening to and communicating with Bill Mack mm. at WBAP at the time. So I called Bill when I got to Fort Worth as soon as he went on the air at midnight and I told him that I was in Fort Worth. And he said, well, my boy, my boy, come over here to WBAP, <laughs> one broadcast hill, and come oh, sit in with me. Wow. Well, of course, we weren't allowed to leave the hotel room. There were four guys in each hotel room. We weren't allowed to leave the hotel room, but that wasn't going to stop me. Mm. And so... I called the cab. I'd never ridden in a cab in my life. A rule break. In a little town. <laughs> a little town from Brady, Texas. <laughs> called the cab, and I told the other guys, I said, don't tell anybody. Don't tell our advisors that I'm <laughs> sneaking out and going to WBAP. Wow. And, and one of them said, you're not going by yourself. I'm going to go with you. <laughs> and so James Roberts and myself snuck out of the hotel, went over to WBAP radio, mm. and spent the evening with, with Bill Mack. Wow. And, man, that was like... And that was pretty close to heaven for a oh, country yeah. kid, kid just jockey like mm-hmm. me. But anyway, during the night, there was a big snowstorm that came. The ice everywhere, and you couldn't go anywhere. Everything, the city was shut down. This was during the five hours we were there. And I was trying to get back to the hotel, and all the cabs we called, none of nobody would take us. And so, so then Bill Mack got on the radio, and he said, Hey, my buddy Tracy Pickcox has been hanging out with me here at and uh, he needs a cab. All the cab companies are shut down in, hmm. in Fort Worth. If there's anybody out there that might still be able to, to navigate around in this ice, if they'll come pick him up, I would really appreciate it. 
He had nine lines at BAP. Every line lit up. Oh, wow. And he took the first caller and put them on the air. And, and that cab company uh, came to, to, to BAP. They were close to BAP at the time. Picked mm-hmm. me up, mm-hmm. drove me all the way to the motel in ice. And we're going probably you know, 20, 30 miles an hour at the, at the most. Mm-hmm. Got there to the hotel in the nick of time. And I tried to pay the cab driver. And the cab driver said, I'm not taking any of your money. I'm doing this for my friend, right. Bill Mack. I said, how, I said, how, how do you know Bill Mack? When, how, have, you, have you met Bill Mack? You know? And he said, no. He said, I've never met Bill Mack. But he said, Bill Mack is a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I listen to Bill Mack every day. Yeah. Wow. Yep. And I thought, I thought to myself, you know, this is the profession I want to be in. Mm-hmm. And I've been lucky enough to do it. I, I remember uh, many uh, people I really didn't know, but they were my friend. You know, and yeah. they would come out when we were out yeah. at remotes and they would come by. And they felt like they knew you better than, uh, you know, your family knew you. It's it, a powerful medium. The, the industry, the radio mm-hmm. industry, country music industry is a very powerful medium. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's kind of how uh, Country Jim and I met uh, through your, at that time, son-in-law, uh, Randy Lindley. And yeah. uh, Randy and I, Randy listened to our country classic show, and um, that's kind of how we got to know And He came by the radio station, and then it was just like, boom. It, we all mm-hmm. met up and uh, used to have them on the, uh, on the show, and they'd play live music and just, just a great time there. I enjoyed singing duets with Mary McCoy. Uh, Tracy, did you ever know about her and uh, Jimmy Copeland, who was her singing partner? I was always a big fan of Mary McCoy, and I, I knew I knew uh, her through a lot of the artists that we worked with mm-hmm. uh, together. And mm-hmm. I, I mentioned Andy earlier about you know Justin Tubb. I think was the first person to tell me about both of yep. both of you guys yeah. uh, back in the day. But what a guy, also I remember I used to. I used to book Kitty Wells uh, down here in in, uh, in Texas, and I would ride the bus with Kitty Wells and Johnny Wright, and oh, wow. the Tennessee Mountain Boys, and and so I'd book them several dates. This was back when I, when I was, I guess, this would be in my my twenties and thirties, and uh, and actually we I rode down to Conroe, Texas, and Mary was a big Kitty Wells fan, oh, yeah. if I recall at the time, mm-hmm. and so she came out to that show, and I think she even saying a little bit if i remember correctly on that show with with uh, kitty wells that uh, yeah, that night did. and so that was the first time i met the first time i met mary was uh, was through kitty wells mm-hmm. well you know mary was a big fan of any country girl singer you know when i was well, what, talk- a great, what a great legend mary is and i, I just mm-hmm. admire her so much yeah oh yeah she she's still doing pretty good still does the radio show yep she does yep. she's like 85 or 86 somewhere along in there so yeah and been on radio for what how long is it like a long time. I, I don't remember. Yeah, she just 60, celebrated years. Or yes. Something. Yeah. yeah. Guinness Book of World Records, uh, the longest running disc jockey, which I hate that word, by the way. I like to be called. I would, I, I'd always say I'm an air talent. I'm not a disc jockey. You know, so. well, see, the difference is, Andy, I don't have any talent, so I can't say you air talent. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I pretty much I, I fell in that group, too, but I still hated the word disc jockey. So I just. <laughs> Oh, man. You know, uh, Tracy, uh, uh, I talked to you uh, a few days ago about that you're the king of the name droppers, buddy, as far as being able to (laughs) (laughs) be able. There's a few few people I could mention that were famous that that I got to meet, but, man, you are the king of that territory. And what about Loretta? I mean, you 
you were around her a number of times, right? Yeah, Loretta. Loretta, I, truthfully, there you know a lot of these people that you you meet and that sort of thing. That's what you do. You meet them, yeah. and, and that's that's about it. But I was very lucky that uh, Loretta became a good friend, and and I, I when I was I was a fan of hers because I was a huge Ernest Tubb fan, and I, I first learned of Loretta's music because of listening to those Ernest Tubb Loretta Lynn duets mm. back in the day. Yeah, and um, and so I reached out to to Loretta. This was back probably when I was still in high school, and just sent her a simple fan letter and told her that I was a little disc jockey in Brady, Texas, and I wanted an autograph picture. And so, uh, ironically, about six months later, you know, it took a while because of how busy she is, but about six months later, I got this note from her, this picture and this note from her and in her own handwriting, which was wonderful to get those handwritten notes from Loretta because she, uh, she was so country and she misspelled words and it was just, cute as it could be but anyway she told me she said if you're ever she said if you're ever around please come see me you know mm-hmm. and uh, and she gave me her manager's name and phone number and wow. so i was going to branson when i was 18 and she was working at the lowe's theater there in branson and uh, and so I, I reached out to her manager lane cross and i told lane the story and everything and and uh, he realized that I was legit, and and so he arranged uh, a meeting for Loretta and myself. And I was sitting there backstage when she comes in through the back. She's wearing this green sparkly dress. And she comes bouncing over to me with that great smile, and she says, "Hi, I'm Loretta Lynn," as if I didn't know who she, <laughs> who she was, you know. Yeah. And so, and gave me this big old hug, and it was just like we'd known each other forever, and. Wow. And uh, from then on, she, you know, she, she told me, she said, uh, you know, come anytime you want to see me, all this kind of stuff. And so mm-hmm. I would start going to see her, you know, two or three times a year. And then it evolved to, uh, you know, me, me going to, you know, hanging out on the bus with her before the shows. And then, oh, wow. and then even going to her house and, and mm-hmm. Hurricane Mills and, and hanging out at her home and, wow. and stuff like that. And she did a lot for me. Uh, she uh, wound up giving us a lot of memorabilia and for our, our, our future museum that we would have. And, wow. and just, she was just really gracious. She wrote the liner notes to a book that I, that I had out a few years ago. And, yeah. and, um, anyway, I just, I, I never will forget one little thing. I think it's kind of funny is that, uh, first time I went to her home, which was behind her historic home there in, mm. in, uh, Hurricane Mills, she said, I want to show you around. I want to show you around my house. I said, okay. So she's, she's got a pot of beans on that she's cooking over here. And, and she shows me all around her house. It's just uh, just she and I and a friend of hers, Rosie Hamilton. And she said, well, let me show you my bedroom. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, my <laughs> God, if I had been, you know, 15 years old and realized I would be in Loretta Lynn's bedroom one day, it would just, you know, make me crazy. <laughs> but we go in, we go in there. And, and the only thing the only thing that at that time you could recognize that was musically, like in her house, next to her bed was setting a Buck Owens red, white, and blue guitar that mm. Buck had given her. Wow. And it was right there next to the tanning bed in her There was nothing else in the house that you would realize would be Loretta Lynn's. And I was telling my wife about that, and she said, she has a whole museum right behind her house that mm-hmm. is full of all her stuff. Right, but right, she was just, right. She was just a country girl. She just yeah. loved that, and, and I was yeah. I was proud of that relationship for sure. Something I've always wondered about, is it true that uh, Doolittle – is it true that Doolittle uh, growls like a bear, you know, because she always said that in the movie, you know, quit growling like a bear, dude, or something. But anyway, that's just, you know, that's just a side to, note. I never got to know, 
<laughs> I never got to know him. Unfortunately, he had he had passed right before. Oh, okay. Uh, I got I got close to Loretta, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but he was he was he was around, of course, when I, in the very early days. But I didn't get to know him like her. But I would have liked to. I think we would have gotten along pretty mm-hmm. well. So Tracy, going back a little bit, because you were definitely always a big. I can tell you were always a big fan of of uh, country music and. But what made you decide to take the avenue that you've taken as far as kind of promoting like Tony Booth and Dotsie and yeah. so many people like that over the years? When, when did you all, when did you start the promotion thing where you were? Yeah. You know, when I was in, in my, I guess it was um, actually the first concert I ever booked was Kitty Wells and, and Johnny Ryan. And that was, I think it was 19 at the time. That mm-hmm. I did that, booked them for three thousand dollars. What year would in, in that Brady, have been? Texas. That would have been ninety, I guess. I think nineteen ninety, if okay. I remember correctly. Okay. It was. Uh, I was just out of high school, and and um, uh, I booked. Uh, I ran into Kitty and Johnny and Branson as well, and mm-hmm. and so Johnny said, "We need to come down and do a show for you." And so I booked the high school auditorium there in in Brady. And I booked Kitty Wells and Johnny Wright and Big Bill Lister, who oh, used to who yeah, used to yeah. open up for Hank Williams back in the day. Yeah. And and so uh, I was so excited. Three thousand bucks was what I was paying Kitty and, and and Johnny. And I just I didn't know anything about promotion. I just thought you put them in a building and everybody mm-hmm. came. Mm-hmm. And 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 so at the end of the night, I had lost five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And so I had to. Uh, I had to. Uh, I was going to borrow the five hundred dollars from my dad to, you know, finish paying for the show. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the night, Johnny Wright. So so I pay him twenty five hundred in cash, and I give him a the, I had to give him a check for five hundred, you know, for to finish paying them. Mm-hmm. And so um, and so Johnny tells me, he says, "Hey Tracy, let's go to to breakfast tomorrow morning before we we head out." I said, "Okay." So I drove over and I picked Kitty Wells and Johnny Wright up, and uh, and and took them to breakfast that, that morning. And we were, we were sitting there eating breakfast and, and Johnny Wright, uh, who was married to Kitty Wells, mm-hmm. of course, looked over at me and he said, Tracy, this is the first time you've done uh, a show, isn't it? And I said, yes, sir. It sure is. He said, well, Kitty and I were talking and, and uh, we want you to have this back. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, I didn't tell him that we'd lost money. But he, he knew it. I don't know how, but he knew it. Right. Yeah. And he said, we want you to have this back. And he gives me that $500 check back. And that was like giving me $10,000, you know, because mm-hmm. I am mean, just a poor, poor college kid at the time. Yeah. He said, we want you to have this back. And he said, if you'll just do one thing for us. And I said, what's that? And he said, if you'll just book us again sometime. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that was just, I, I mean, I could have soured, I could have been soured grapes on promotion mm-hmm. after losing money for my first time and say, I'll never do it again and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But that encouraged me to do more and, and to learn how to promote mm-hmm. and to learn how to promote shows and, and that sort of thing. And I'll have to say, after that time, I booked tons of dates on Kitty and Johnny and that last farewell tour that we did with them down here in Texas, I mean, my part of it was six thousand dollars that I that I made. So, wow. so that five hundred dollar investment from Johnny Wright mm-hmm. was was very smart on his part. He was a great businessman, mm-hmm. but it was also uh, an encouraging factor for me to continue to book country music shows. And they say he drives a pretty mean bus too. I don't know. Is that is that? Did you had you had, had, had you heard that? I don't know. <laughs> I've been 
I've been under the I've been I've been under the wheel uh, on the bus of when he is under the wheel. So anyway, <laughs> yes, he did. He certainly did. <laughs> Even when he wasn't supposed to and didn't have a license to drive oh, a bus, wow. he still drove it every once in a while. <laughs> but, but that just kind of that just kind of made me really want to do more shows. And in our area, there wasn't any real traditional mm-hmm. country music stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and so it. I thought there was a need for it, a desire for it, and that's why we started doing the, the promotion to bring mm-hmm. in a lot of the Grand Ole Opry stars, people like wow. Charlie Leuven and Jim right. Ed Brown and little Jimmy yeah. Dickens and uh, Gene yeah. Shepard and, uh, right. of course, all these people that were in Nashville at the time and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And, and so we'd booked a lot of those those acts, and I would try to find them a couple of days down here and, mm-hmm. and usually travel along with them. And, and it just really kind of uh, sparked a, an interest in, in me to do things like that. Right. You know, Tracy, besides the Nashville artist, um, the Texas artists like Johnny Bush um, mm-hmm. and uh, Daryl McCall, uh, talk a little bit about starting to have them on shows, the Lano Opry, the shows there in Brady. You've had them a lot. Yeah, I really have. And a lot of that came from, from the record label aspect thing. Um, yeah, uh, talk in, talk uh, about that. When did you start the label? You know, back in 1999, I was working with an, an artist, uh, uh, actually out of Nashville, that I was, of course, really, really fond of and, and really trying to help her. And, and so I, I thought she needed a new record. She hadn't had a record out in a long time. And so I, I started calling. I just got a, you know, a listing from the uh, union out of Nashville about record labels. And so I started calling these record labels, trying to pitch her to get a new record done. And everybody that I talked to told me, that she was she was too old. This was she was in her sixties at the time, I guess. But they told me she was too old. She wouldn't sell records, and that was just pretty much what I got from every label in Nashville. And I was like, man, it just made me mad, you know. And and so I talked to my friend Justin Trevino, and Justin had a little recording studio out of his house at the time down in Martindale, Texas. And I talked to Justin, and Justin said, let's just let's let's do it. You know, let's let's do the do the label and I'm not label. Let's just do a record. And so we did. Uh, I went and I borrowed the, the money to do, the, do that first record, not necessarily because I ever wanted a record label, because I didn't, but I just wanted, I just wanted this person to still be viably recording. Mm-hmm. And so we did the first, uh, that first uh, CD, and it paid for itself, you know, after, after several months. And, and so I thought, well, let's just, and I never spent any of that record label money. I just put it back into future projects. Mm-hmm. And so after we did that one, we started working with uh, other artists as well. People like Johnny Bush and, and Daryl McCall and, of course, Justin Trevino uh, and um, a lot of the legendary figures in the business, Floyd Tillman, Frankie Miller, uh, you know, Curtis Potter, George Hamilton IV, uh, uh, Bobby G. Rice, Bobby Lewis, wow. uh, Pretty Miss Norma Jean, all these yeah. people that, uh, that I feel like could still sing, mm-hmm. uh, but were not having the opportunity because they were, quote, too old. Mm-hmm. But I also uh, was really proud of being able to do some of the, the more uh, younger, what I considered younger talent of the day. People like Justin Trevino and, and Amber Digby and Landon Dodd and Rance Norton and Kimberly Murray and people that love traditional country music like we did, mm-hmm. but just really at that time didn't have an album out or a record out. And so from then we started Heart of Texas Records. And since that time, we've done, I think, about 100 uh, projects. Uh, throughout mm. the, the years and have been able to give some people an opportunity to record that may not have had that opportunity uh, in the past. You know, uh, 
nobody really ever thinks about me as being a, a negative, discouraging kind of person. But, <laughs> <laughs> Tracy, uh, you and I have talked about a number of times the struggle now with recording CDs and getting CD sales, uh, except for an artist selling them at their shows. Um, and I know that, uh, talk a little bit about that. Um, I would say you're not recording nearly as many projects now to, to do uh, CDs as you did back in the heyday. No, yeah, we're really not. I mean, we were, we used to have a, a project going all the time and sometimes two and three. Mm. Um, I was using Justin, of course, Trevino and, and then, and eventually Justin moved to Brady and, and we opened up a, a I, um, bought a bought a building and we moved the recording studio into that building but uh and then also i was using jim lossberg so i usually had a project going with justin and a project going with jim lossberg as as well and and so we were doing we were doing a lot of recordings at the time but there again i was i was very conscious about you know putting that money putting any money that i mean floyd tillman's record would help pay for daryl mccall's new record and daryl mccall's record would help pay for Curtis Potter's new record, and 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 so I was, I was doing that like that, and just doing a lot of recordings at, at the time. Mm. And another thing that was very helpful with us was Sirius XM Radio had a place called Hank's Place, mm. and at that time they were playing Heart of Texas records every hour. They would play, but they loved what our sound was. They loved what we were doing, and so and they were playing playing our stuff all the time, which in turn uh, generated a lot of what they call the sound exchange money. And that money was paid to the artist and was also paid to the record label for using their material on that sat the satellite radio. And we still get a lot of play from uh, from Willie's Roadhouse, right. but not as much right. as we did with Hanks with Hanks Place right. back back in the day. So Hanks P- and Place so that money, Hanks Place was the the precursor to uh, Willie's Roadhouse. Willie's Roadhouse. Oh, okay. That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That was and then when Sirius XM radio merged, mm-hmm. they had two Two hardcore traditional country channels that went down to one channel, and so of course, instead of getting you know twice as much airplay, were cut cut in half, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much at, at the time. And and they, and they kind of started dropping some of the the people that may not have had chart records. Like they used to play all the all of our Landon Dodds and the Kim Marie's and the Ambers and all these other artists that may not have major record label contracts, yeah. but they were playing those a lot on the Hanks Play stuff. But anyway, all of that all that money helped do other other projects, and then of course our sales were great because that music would be heard by people all over the country, and our sales were just really really good. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, when that kind of combined, that hurt us. And then also the other thing that, that hurt the record business are are the is the internet. Yeah, and I love the internet. I'm not against it, but you know, you've got YouTube and you've got these all these other music listening channels. Yeah where people can go and, and pay $9 a month and listen to everything they want to listen to. Yep. Well, they're not going to, li- they're not going to buy a $15 CD no. as much as they, they did in the mm-hmm. past yeah. because just you know, economics yeah. about it, rather. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's, that stuff all goes together to kind of hurt the record business. And it's not only us, it's the record business all over is right. nothing like oh, it, yeah. uh, nothing like it used yeah. to be. Well, you so know, we're kinda, very thankful for what we have. So. Yeah, I, I kind of yeah. feel your pain because uh, I had a, a video production company in the uh, early 2000s, up until about two, 2018, I guess it was. I also did CD and DVD duplication. 
And a lot of my yeah. CD duplication was, you know, small bands that couldn't go out and do a thousand, but they wanted to do a hundred or a hundred and fifty. And uh, as time rolled on, though, and I was talking to Country Jim about this a little earlier, I'm thinking around 2012, maybe 2013, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. It was that was tapering off. Nobody was wanting to do mm-hmm. CDs because the internet had gotten to where you could download. Yeah, really. We used to always, um, I used to always start off with, with especially the, the bigger sellers for me. I'd, I'd do, you know, 2000, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and the first, first month and, and then usually be able to do a reorder in, in, you know, 30 to 60 days, something like that. Oh yeah. And, and, and now it's, it's nothing like that. I mean, we, we start with, we start with a thousand and, Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it might take me a year to sell a thousand mm-hmm. albums. And a lot of, a lot of times it may take me a lot longer than that, you know, mm-hmm. oh, but, yeah. but, but it's still, but it's still something that I love to do and, and I'll continue to do it. I mean, there's, we see people every day. We, we've been on this, you know, whatever it was, nine day tour every night. I have people, especially the older people who come up to you and say, you know, we, we still love CDs. We, that's how we listen to our music is, mm-hmm. is CDs. And so, it's nice to get that. And, and I love the people that download the stuff and everything else. That's great. I respect, <clears throat> I respect anything that helps the music industry, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah. but it is kind of nice to still in my mind to hold a CD and see somebody's picture on it mm-hmm. and read a little bit about who was a part of that project. I love to know about who's playing on this stuff and, and who produced it and who mixed it and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I love that information. Yeah. And unfortunately, when you download something from iTunes, you don't necessarily get that same information. Yeah. No liner notes, man. You got to have those liner That's notes. Right. You know? Man, that was so good back in the day. I love, I love old battle liner well, notes. I mean, and, and do you remember Tracy? So you probably remember playing a few records, spinning the actual vinyl. Oh, yeah. And, and maybe you had an album that you was getting uh, the cut off of. And, and while that's playing, what are you doing? You're reading the back of the album. Even though you've maybe read it 20 times before, you still yeah. want to say, want to, want to see who produced it or maybe who, who wrote that particular song or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. And that's just yeah. something you can't do now. You know, Andy, whenever they remodeled the radio station here a few years ago uh, at the control room up there, I made them leave me a turntable. <laughs> and it's still there today. Right. I still use vinyl, and I still play it mm-hmm. from time to time as well. But I was I was going to find them to make sure that I kept the turntable. <laughs> Man, the there, there is nothing <laughs> like hearing a little bit of click, 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 and a shh every now and then. You know, when you start one off, you know, a little cue burn, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. I love that. <laughs> you know, Tracy, uh, I know you fairly well. I, I, I hope to, to even come to know you better. And, and really, this... Hearing you tell these stories is a blessing, but uh, one thing I love is the fact that your business decisions about the industry have not been purely business decisions, and nobody could know very much, no one could know very much about you without seeing your love for the music, and your your business decisions have factored in what you have wanted to do because of your love and respect for the artist and the the music the artist is doing and uh, i i love watching on on uh, social media uh particularly i guess during your uh, annual uh, shows there in brady i want you to talk about that a little bit but uh, i love the uh, little podcast things you do with having justin on there and maybe a guest artist or two and sing 
and it's a video, and I can see you and the enjoyment, Tracy, on, on your face while you're listening to that music. And uh, I, I, I appreciate the fact that for you, it's not just a matter of being in the red or the black, but doing something for the music. Well, I appreciate you saying that, Jim. And, and, and I, I learned a long time ago that it is definitely a music business. And there's a business aspect to all of it, and and you have to you have to try to make some conscious business decisions. But I think more than that, you have to make people decisions, mm-hmm. and you have to have to respect those artists, and you have to respect those people that uh, that are involved in the industry, and also you have to respect the fans because mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and and going back to Kitty Wells one time, uh, uh, there's there's something that she said that that always resonates with me and. And it was about the fans, and and she told me she said, you know, those people built our house. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, that's the greatest. That's one of the greatest lines mm-hmm. I've ever heard. Those people talking about the country music fans, mm-hmm. they bought our house. Yeah. And uh, and so anyway, I've always tried to remember that. You know, the fans I think are the most important aspect of this business, and 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 uh, me being one of the biggest country music fans that there is, you know. I try to think. I try to think that way. I try to think of what the fans would want, and mm-hmm. and uh, and I, and there's some projects I've done that recording projects I've done that is never going to ever get into black, and I understand that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll I'll, I'll book a, a show and and would have to completely sell it out to be able to to uh, financially do it. But even if you don't, it's still it, it's still all right with me because sometimes you you know at the end of the end of the day you want it to all all uh, even out mm-hmm. but um but it's all it's also about the music i mean the music it has to be preserved the music has to be promoted and and that's the most um, important aspect to me i i told somebody one time i said you know i, I was always a, i was a fan of the music first mm-hmm. then i think i became a bigger fan of the people that create the music yeah yes and and that's really true because those are some very very special people that have those creative skills and mm-hmm. and um and it's all about it's all about them. It's all about people. It's about music. It's also about the people that make the music and that love the music. Man, I think that's the most important part of the industry. Yeah. Real quick, I know uh, Country Jim had just uh, alluded a little bit to the couple of events that you've got going on there in Brady mm-hmm. uh, every year. Talk about talk about those a little bit, if you would. Yeah, yeah. We started a thing called the. Well, actually, it was it was an anniversary little anniversary party to. For, for a radio program that we have called Hillbilly Hits, which started back in 1989. And it's an all-request traditional country music show that we do every week and still do it twice a week now. But uh, but anyway, and so it was a, an anniversary celebration for that show. And so we started doing, we, at first time we had a little barbecue and a little country band that came and played that night. And now it's grown into um, actually nine days of uh, music in March. And we have a lot of the a lot of our friends that come to, to be with us this past year. We had Gene Watson and the Malthus uh, brothers were there. Gary P. Nunn was part of that. Uh, uh, I know this this coming year we've got um, uh, Mo Bandy and the Americana Band. This is next March, of course. Mo Bandy, uh, the Bentley brothers are going to be there, and and then we have uh, all of our you know Daryl McCall. We have uh, Tony Booth, and then we have a lot of the country bands. Amber Dick becomes and Jake Cooker and Billy Mata and Rocky King and Jeff Wolsey and, and Jody Nix. And, and so anyway, it's just a whole 
group of people that come together for nine days and, and we do the Heart of Texas Country Music Festival. And that's always a great time in Brady. We have things going on. Sometimes we're doing three shows a day, a thing in the morning and a thing in the afternoon and a dance in, in the evening. And then we do things with the Heart of Texas Country Music Museum that we have here. And um, so we do that in March every year. And then in August, we have a thing called the Honky Tonk Fest where we do four days bringing in some of the Texas honky-tonk bands uh, that, that play in the area. And that's, uh, I know this year it's Rocky King, and it's it's Weldon Henson, and it's Jody Nix, and it's Landon Dodds Band, and then mm-hmm. Justin Trevino and Jeff Woolsey. And it's just kind of an event, and people come from all over, especially mm-hmm. at the, the March event. You know, we had six countries represented last year. Uh, we had wow. people from uh, Canada and from uh, Ireland and from uh, England and from Australia. <laughs> And from Sweden, mm. and uh, and then from like twenty states represented. So it's really neat to have people that come in. Some people come and stay the whole time, and some people just come and stay for a day or two. Mm-hmm. But you're going to hear plenty of fiddle and steel guitar during those events. I promise you. That's the good stuff right there. I think I'm going to try yeah. to make it. I'm going to try. We, we were going to try to make it this last March, but we didn't get to do it. I think though, for sure, uh, the Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Uh, I think uh, I'm going to tag along with Country Jim and all of his group there and come over and visit with y'all a little bit. You know, would love that. Now, Tracy, I've, uh, a lot of times I open my big mouth, and I've promised him <laughs> that we're going to get some wonderful big show interviews if we'll come up there that week. Yeah. I guarantee it. There's no no problem at all. There's, And that's one thing about our events. We make sure it's all fan-friendly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and not only with media media people, but, I mean, the, the, the artists come out and they mingle with the fans and sign the autographs and take the pictures and kiss the babies and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. <laughs> and we want to deal with people that we want to deal with people that, that, that are fan-friendly, and I think that's very important. Yeah, it depends on what those babies look like, all right? I mean, uh, <laughs> man. <laughs> exactly. I'm man, just, guys just joking. I don't want to get in trouble on that one, that's for sure. <laughs> Tracy, when I heard your lineup, I picked up on the Bellamy Brothers. Ooh, Actually... Yeah. Actually, I did the insurance. I, I've been an insurance. I do Tracy's some of his insurance, by the way. So you're trying to do it. Yes. I think he's trying to do a shameless plug here. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll, 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 I'll plug him because he does a great job. <laughs> hey, I did the insurance for David Bellamy's brother, who, uh, brother, mother. David Bellamy's mother lived in Fort Worth, and I did her insurance. So, uh, really? Yeah, I do a, um, I do a, uh, you know, I do a few little shows. And uh, yeah. actually, yeah, you've you've come and uh, and sold product at a festival or two that I did. But I sure have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's good. But uh, <laughs> what did I? Oh, uh, so I got the idea that I might get uh, a discount by booking the Bellamy Brothers, and so uh, I reached out and got a price from them. And and it was so scary. I haven't got over it yet. You didn't get it. And you so didn't a, you didn't get a discount. So I don't know. I, say there. I did not get a discount. But Tracy, if you're kind of overreaching a little bit, um, if uh, I could send you five hundred dollars, if you need to. <laughs> that would cover the money that uh, Johnny Wright gave you. You know, back back there. Exactly right. Get that. Right. <laughs> make a little money on the side. You know. <laughs> Hey, Tracy, sure. Tracy, was Jack Anglin still yeah. living then? Did Johnny and Jack no. do a – they didn't do a set? 
No, you know, he, Jack died in 1960, March of 1963. Wow, I didn't remember and, uh, it that early. So he had been gone, yeah, he had been gone a, long, a long time, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But uh, their son, Bobby Wright, was doing the, the Johnny and Jack duets oh. with his dad back in, back in the day. Yeah. But that's one of the best road road tours available. And like you said, I was paying those guys three thousand dollars, and now now these guys out on the road are wanting fifteen and twenty uh, of our kind of music. And then of course you're you're Taylor Swift making thirteen million a night. Well, you know it's a business that sure changed a lot. (laughs) Well, listen, listen. After George Strait made the announcement that radio was not playing his stuff anymore, it's just a matter of time before George is going to be calling you. Well, you know we 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 have something here I'll touch on just for a minute with we've got the Heart of Texas Country Music Museum. We got a really neat mm. museum full of all these great, you know, artifacts, guitars and stage clothes and all this kind of stuff from all these people mm-hmm. in the business that, that we that we've collected during the last twenty years. But uh, got a neat museum and we're really proud of that. But yes. the funny thing that maybe remind that is that uh, we have a friend, uh, Logan and Gay Stevens and they they live out Redonia, which is about 20 miles outside of town. Well, anyway, they're ranchers and they've got property and everything. Really good people and they've been helpful to us through the years. But but several years ago, Logan is a big horse trader and he and Mr. Strait were, I think, trading the horses and doing some stuff. And so so he was going down to, to visit with George and I've been trying to get something from George forever for the museum. Mm. So Gay, my friend Gay, tells her husband, Logan, says, all right, you're going down there to see George. And you do not come back to this house unless you bring something from George to give to Tracy for that museum. And so Logan, Logan was down there dealing with him or whatever. And he said, all right, George, he said, uh, I can't, I can't go back home to my wife until I get something from you to put in the museum. So straight takes his cowboy hat off, mm. signs it and gives it to, <laughs> gives oh, it to Logan. There you go. And Logan brings it back and he's able to get into the house that night. So that so, is good. So, it's like it's kind of neat the things we have and little stories that go with them uh, for the is, museum. That that's a pretty, awesome. pretty neat thing. That's that's <laughs> awesome. I love that. I love the museum. I love the um, the bus. Uh, now you you have this. This was um, uh, the first bus. Jim Reeves. Yeah, yeah but, we have Jim Reeves. The only only t- only bus that he had was Big Blue. He got it in 1956. And uh, we have his tour bus here. We have um, uh, a Cadillac from uh, Furlan Husky. We have one of Tammy Winnett's uh, Lincoln limousines. We have Ernest Tubbs' old 1953 Cadillac. And, wow. and we even have a, a, a Cadillac from Jody Miller, the queen of the house. Wow. So, um, hey, and just to think, got, just, uh, just think you, you will probably get uh, Country Gems, Toyota, uh, you know, when that, when, when that, when the Lord calls him home, which will probably be another, uh, 50 years from now, probably, but, uh, you'll get his Toyota to put in your museum. Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't that be? We'll park you right there, park right there next to Jim's big blue. <laughs> we'll have to have it transported because it's not running right now. <laughs> nothing, nothing we have, Jim, is running. So don't worry. <laughs> Oh, uh, Tracy, I, uh, that man, is something else. This has been. It's, I yeah. was expecting it to be really great, and it's been better than oh, it's I been expected. Better than great for them. Well, we've run out of time, but man, please, uh, sometime if we can uh, catch you on the road or at home or whatever. Uh, well, we'll do, maybe we'll do another one when uh, when we come up to the Mar- That's the last two weekends in March. Is that when the? That's correct. Yes. Yes, it is cool. Uh, cool. Next, next year. And, and I'll, I'll mention our website. You can go to Heart of Texas Country, 
That's heartoftexascountry.com, and that's our website. and has all of our information on it as well. And just uh, Or just stop anywhere in Brady and just ask anybody how to find me because <laughs> it's easy to do. <laughs> they got you GPS, man. <laughs> I, probably own, I probably own money, and so it'll be easy to find me. So. <laughs> Well, Tracy, it has really been a pleasure meeting you on the on the phone. Hopefully, we'll get over there in March. I'm sure we will, and uh, get to shake your hand and uh, pat you on the back a little bit for all that you do for country music. And I want to thank uh, Andy. Want to thank you and Country Jim for this great podcast, and you guys are making a difference. And and thank you so much for all that you do for country music. I love you both, and and I love all those great country music fans out there. Great, good deal, Thanks, Tracy. Ha- have a great day, man, and and safe trip back to Brady, Texas. We'll do it. All right, buddy. Take care. Folks, we will see y'all on another one. Adios. We've had the pleasure here on The Big Show of having a lot of great guests like Tony Booth, Doug Boggs, Amber Digby, Randy Lindley, Anita Campbell, Wayne Animal Turner, Alan Howie, Kevin Carter. You'll find these episodes on all major podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so many more. And remember to follow us and share with everybody that you know. We'll see y'all on another one. Thanks for listening to The Big Show with Andy Gallo and Country Jim. This has been a Unicap Media presentation.